When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Garden Report is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome to an afternoon Garden Report. Talking Sixers. Why not? Today, all of us woke up shocked. I know Adam, I saw his reaction waking up this morning, (laughs) seeing what happened in China. I guess overnight where we are on the East Coast. He uh, he basically went right at Daryl Morey and turned this uh, trade request, which had kind of been sleepy and even going dormant, according to the recent reporting just before this. And then now it's on fire, heading into training camp next month. Uh, Adam Aronson writes the Ricky Sanchez podcast, and we need to have him on here for a minute. No better time than now, Adam, huh? Yeah, thanks for having me. So, what do you make of this? Where do things stand, you think, now that Harden pulled this card? Yeah, so so when the Sixers leaked to Woj a few days ago, you know, we've never had traction on a deal. Um, we're going to go into training camp with Harden on the team. Uh, I expected that Harden would somehow try to escalate the situation. Um, this, was, this was not exactly what I had in mind. Um, but uh, it's a tricky spot there and now, obviously. Um, but the overarching question that I keep thinking is just, who is trading for James Harden? Uh, he wanted to go to the Clippers, uh, despite the Clippers having like seven different uh, viable role players with medium-sized salaries that they could put together for Harden. Uh, there was never anything close on, there was never any traction with the Clippers or anyone else all summer. Um, and if it's not them, who who is the team that is excited about trading for 34-year-old James Harden after this saga and after the last two games of his playoff run where for the second year in a row, he kind of went out in embarrassing fashion. Um, so I just don't know who actually makes sense, and I don't know if Harden understands that. Um, I think he could, he could still be kind of in the mindset that he was in when he was, you know, one of the five best players in the NBA, uh, but he's not that guy anymore, um, which he, he knows, but I don't think he's actually acting with that mindset. Um, and I think he greatly misread what the market for him was going to be. If, if he thought he could opt into that contract and then instantly be traded. Um, yeah, that's just not the case. And I'll throw in the last two exits from his previous two teams, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the exact same playbook. Uh, so, so that adds to, I think, the hesitancy around the league to add him, plus the yeah. fact that you have to deal with his next contract negotiation a summer from now, and you can't sign an extension immediately if you trade for him. That's the that's where the Clippers yeah. at. And so there's a lot of things working against him being traded at this point. But if we're going to take it a few steps back to where this stood a few weeks ago or maybe a month ago now, where he opts in, they say, yeah, we'll you know work with you on a trade here. And you also hear, if you do come back, though, if, if we run this whole team back, we're a championship contender. And I agree with what you said that Harden's not 
that guy anymore. Like he's at a different stage of his career. He's heading in the wrong direction as a player. I haven't been the biggest fan of Harden throughout his career for a number of different reasons. And I generally haven't been the biggest believer in this Philly core. I mean, I don't know where I picked the Celtics over in them in that series, probably like five or something. I think I might've even picked the sweep. And then he comes out with one of his better playoff games ever in game one. So good. I think, what was it? The game five, he had 40 as well. Game games one and four and four games. One and four. He was like unbelievably good. Game five, he was good. Every three, two lead. Yeah, every other game of the series, he looked like like one of the worst players in NBA history. Right, it was right. unbelievable. But if we're just talking about this team dynamic right now, and then you throw the Embiid injury that he was dealing with through that series too, they had Boston. They did three two lead. You know, midway through Game Six as well, they're in a good spot. And then who knows what happens in these finals against the Heat? I, I think they'd probably be favorites in that series. So if you just take a few steps back from all the frustration he's feeling all the frustration the city's feeling after that loss and uh you know whatever frustration remains between him and the contract negotiations if they just run this back and see what happens after this year it could go pretty well i think like they still have a really good team here they have a pretty good coach coming in i think things might be weird between nurse and harden but I actually, looking at what they did last year, like this team a little bit more than I did going into the series between the Celtics and Philly, despite them losing it. And there's no situation for anyone involved here with a trade, I think, that makes any of their situations better, whether it's Maury, whether it's Embiid, whether it's Harden. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a really good team last year. Like you said, they, they almost took down a very good team. And, you know, they would have been favored against the Heat the same way the Celtics were. Um it's my main question is what version of Harden is it? So like, even if let's say Harden was happy to come back, he talked to the front office. He said, okay, I'll play out this one year on my player option and we'll see what happens afterwards. And he came in in good faith, which is not what's happening. But even if that's what, if that is what it was, um, he's 34 years old. Uh, last year, uh, he expected that he was about to get a contract that he did not end up getting. Um, last year he missed, I believe more games than he ever has in a season. Um, and then you kind of went out sad in the playoffs again. <laughs> um, and between, between the pretty significant decline that he's had over the last few years. And of course he's still a great player because that's how good he was before his athleticism started to kind of get zapped. Um, he's, he's a tremendous player. Um, but again, like I said, I think completely misread the situation. Um, but back to the original point, if, even if he did come back in good faith and see what happens for a year, he's not going to, he's like almost certainly not going to be as good as he was last year. And he was fantastic in the regular season when he played. Uh, I think he gave him about 20 and 10. I think he led the league in assists per game. Um, he's obviously great. Um, but he's also part of the reason that they didn't get past the second round again. Yeah. Um, Game seven was just awful. Yeah, and they don't, you know, game one, he almost single-handedly carried them to a win against the Celtics. Uh, Game four, I wouldn't call it single-handedly, but he was the best player on the floor. Um, And yet, even with, like, those things going in his favor in the biggest spot, it became a disaster. Um, And so even if he came back, like I said, and in good faith, I don't know why – this team is is any better than last year's team. Um, Embiid is coming off a career season. It's always like, you know, an MVP caliber year averaging, you know, 32, 33 a game, whatever it was, is not easily repeatable. P.J. Tucker's turning 39. Tobias Harris, there's no reason to believe is at any point going to get better than where he is right now. Really, the only piece from last year's team where – it's like reasonable to expect them to be better next season as Tyrese Maxey. Uh, but you, as, as good as he is, and, and he's a tremendous player, if you're asking him to be the second best guy on a team, you're just not real championship contenders. Uh, that's just at 22, 23 years old. That's just not some, that's not a reasonable expectation for Maxey uh, who has, who has shattered just about all expectations, but that even for him, 
is just too lofty of a goal, I think. Um, and so my maybe this is more pessimistic than it needs to be, but my initial mindset is, well, if they came up short last year, what what is putting them over the t- what is getting them over that hump this year? Uh, you know, with all due respect to 34 year old Patrick Beverly and, you know, to Mo Bamba, who's probably going to be their third string center. It doesn't seem to me like they added anything uh, or we'll see enough internal improvement that gets them over the hump against a team like they always kind of viewed the Celtics as a measuring stick, I think, just because of how many times they've lost to the Celtics in the playoffs. And and, you know, obviously the Celtics thing being spearheaded by Tatum is something that is always kind of a tough pill to swallow for people here. Yeah. Yeah. and you throw into that the coach that I always wondered how he and Harden would mesh, given how Nurse wants his teams to play, the defense emphasis and all of that. I, I would have been intrigued to see how that would go, those two paired together, because if we believe the reporting on Harden and Doc, and Harden started turning his head sideways toward Doc at the end, and that's a big yeah. reason Doc's out of here. So for him to not be committed to this situation anymore after – pulling those strings adds to the tension of the situation. Absolutely. I think, I think I apologize cutting you off, but I I just think that's a great point because I, I think if it wasn't the biggest reason, uh, James Harden's relationship with doc was one of the biggest reasons that he was fired. Yeah. Um, Doc rivers is, is flawed. Uh, people here like basically resented him from day one. Um, and to be fair, he didn't really ever do or say much to endear himself to the fan base. He clearly has, uh, you know, tendencies that can be annoying to watch over the course of an 82 game season, but they did not lose those last, you know, six quarters against the Celtics. So dreadfully right. Doc Rivers, like it was not because Doc Rivers early in the season liked Montrezl Harrow more than Paul Reed. And it's <laughs> not because he didn't give Isaiah Joe a chance to be a rotation player. They lost because their players didn't play well enough. And And I think people love in sports, especially fans, to say in any sport, oh, well, like the coach or the manager, like they got to can that guy and then things will make more sense because it's much easier to say that and and be like, okay, one guy in, one guy out than to be like, maybe this team is fundamentally flawed. Yeah. Uh, And and, premium on stars too. Yeah. That's the next yeah, I just think that's that's where the Sixers are. Um, I wonder if they knew uh, if this is what was going to happen with Harden, if they still would have fired Doc. Um, I think Nurse is a, is a slight upgrade over Doc. I think Doc is. I think most coaches don't have that much of an impact in the aggregate, unless you're really, really good or really, really bad. Um, and I think they're both kind of in that middle area. I think Nurse is probably slightly better, and I think it's good to get a new voice once every few years. Um, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, there have just been so many moves made uh, with Harden in mind, that being the biggest one. And now he is adamant that he won't even show up to training camp. Well, you don't sound very optimistic about next year. And I'll, t- I'll take it another step here and ask the probably the biggest question out of all of this. And I'd have to think he'll end up in camp because of the rule that, you know, if he wants to get the free agency, he has to show up and blah, 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 blah. That's been discussed. Yeah. But if this thing starts poorly, if there's drama and if he ends up out of there for a moderate return, something insignificant, is that the beginning of the end of Embiid here? Because he made the comments he did to Maverick Carter. Yep. I think there's a expectation there that he wants a second star next to him i think that's why they went after harden in the first place and now why they're holding so firm on trying to get something significant for him now i think he wants to play with another star next to him i'm sure he liked playing with harden who helped set up his mvp year there's yeah. already a massive load on him in terms of this offense could harden's exit lead almost immediately to Embiid's? uh I would not say immediately, but I think it could accelerate that process that I think the Sixers kind of hope if we never discuss it, it never will happen. Uh, but 
It, I mean, it is. It, I think if you have a player as good as Embiid, you always have to be thinking about that, regardless of whether they're happy or or upset at that time. Um, but this is gonna. This is now the third time that jo- that Joel Embiid's best teammate is forcing his way out. It happened with Jimmy Butler, who who was the perhaps the biggest reason that they almost beat the Raptors in game seven, a team that ended up winning the title and they gave them a tougher series than anybody else by far. Um, and then it happens with Ben Simmons a few years ago. Uh, it was a little different cause there was less frustration about Jimmy's play than there was Ben after the infamous passing up the dunk in game seven against the Hawks and the free throws and the shooting never getting better. Uh, and now it's happening here with Harden, you know, if, in a span of, you know, five years or four years, three, you know, top 15 to 30 players at the time all don't want to be on the Sixers anymore. How much longer is Embiid going to want to be on the Sixers? Um, And I also think, you know, who, who here is like really enticing Embiid to stay? They don't really have, he has good relationships with some of his teammates, obviously, but you know, all of the guys from, you know, the process are gone. Uh, you know, the coaches that uh, he had when he was a younger player are gone. The front office is gone. It's just it's just a group of people that he doesn't have as much of an emotional attachment towards. Um, and so and so I'm not saying Embiid is definitely going to request a trade, but but I think it's it's totally on the table as soon as next summer if they don't like really figure out the right plan here. And I don't know what that plan is because I think the best version of the team next year is if Harden came back. And I also think if Harden came back, I don't think they would get to where they need to be. So again, I know it sounds pessimistic and it's like, you're, you know, you're screwed if you do, you're screwed if you don't. Uh, but I, that might just be where they're in now. Uh, you know, they had a few years where it really had to be that time. And I think specifically, last year like the fourth quarter of game six at home you have the celtics on the ropes uh it was legitimately the loudest i've ever heard that arena in my entire life i've gone to hundreds of games it had never it was louder than than boston was in game seven when tatum scored 50 something points that's how loud it was was. yeah It it was unbelievable uh the the energy in that crowd and it really felt like that was the moment and I even felt going into the game, and, and as you can tell, I'm not always optimistic about the Sixers, uh, but going into that game, it really felt like, you know, Embiid is is this, uh, he's due for this, like, signature game against the Celtics where he finally puts them away. They exercise the demons. And then, and then it, you know, all of a sudden, a couple bad turnovers. De'Anthony Melton misses a quarter three. Malcolm Brogdon makes one on the other end. And, all, and like, all of a sudden, here we are now. Um, and, and while I do think Embiid has been, uh, you know, not placated to, for lack of a better word, well enough, he hasn't been supported enough, I suppose. He also has, a should have a lot of ownership here because he, he was the one who had one of the worst playoff games of his career in the biggest game of his career in game seven against the Celtics. Uh, he's the one who went who turned the clock back five years and got owned by Al Horford again. Um, so I think, I think they have to be worried about Embiid stuff starting pretty soon. I don't think it would be an immediate thing. I would be absolutely stunned if he was not on the team opening night this season. Like to me, that feels definite. Yeah. Tw- opening night, 2024, 25. I don't know. It, like, and that's and that's really what the task is here. It's not it, the task is solving the Harden situation, but solving the Harden situation very well may be what settles the Embiid situation next year. Um, and they don't want they don't want to find themselves in a position they're in now with Harden or like they were with Simmons or even like what Portland the situation Portland's in now with Damian Lillard, where it's not like he's threatening to hold out yet, uh, but. You know, he's trying to take away all of their leverage by saying he only wants to play for the Heat. There's no reason Embiid can't try to do the same thing and limit what they get back because he wants to, you know, uh, force his way somewhere. That's and a that's good point. Kind of, that's kind of a long-winded way of saying 
everything they do this summer and what, and even if it goes into training camp or mid season, which is possible, um, as much as it matters in a vacuum, like each of those moves or trades individually, it all is going to coalesce into a body of work that Embiid is going to evaluate. And I bet there's no appetite in Philadelphia for trading both, taking that massive step back yeah, and going into re- yeah. rebuild mode again. But I do wonder if they ended up handling this somewhat the way Brooklyn did with Irving and uh, Durant, you know, yeah. not getting an ideal return for Irving as Brooklyn didn't, but getting a first and Finney Smith in the end doesn't look too bad there. And then as Brooklyn did with Durant, turning Embiid into a massive haul that almost surely looks like it's going to turn into something in the future. Wouldn't be the worst result for Philadelphia, especially as if you've described this team doesn't have that massive ceiling right now, especially without a significant return for Harden. Yeah. It's not great for a team that waited so long to get to this point and only made the second round through the Embiid era. But I, I just think, and I've said this before, I've said it about the Heat when they were in a bad spot and they ended up making the finals, but taking that massive step back and going young and going into the draft and getting some like guys like Mikhail Bridges back and uh, you know what Brooklyn did there yeah. can turn you around way faster than you think. And I look at Portland right now too. You brought up that example. I think yeah. if they if they hit this Lillard trade right, and it might take some time, it might take some drama and pain. They're going to be back fast with school, all these yeah. picks, and yeah, like it's it's not. I know for fans who are who, for who are waiting to you know win a championship, and they've already waited all this time in Philadelphia. It, it would not be very appeasing to trade both these players, but if you got a ton, you have to think about it. I think I I will say that. The I think about how much the Knicks could give up. Yeah, there there are a lot of uh, people say negadelphians, like these these negative Philly fans. Yeah, um, and there are a lot of them, and there are a lot of them who think no matter what, the Sixers are already screwed for the rest of time. Um, but I will say, like as as pessimistic as most of what I've said has sounded, uh, they're going to be at the very least a very good team for as long as Embiid is there, if. They trade him if at some point he forces himself out, with it, if that's in a few years from now, let's say, um, and that happens, as long as they don't, you know, bungle that trade to the level that, like, Houston did when they traded Harden. And instead of, like, you know, flipping Jared Allen for, like, a late first-round pick and the main player they got back v- being Victor Oladipo on an expiring deal who they never flipped and then left. Um they can they can put themselves in a really good spot to kickstart a rebuild the same way like you said like portland i obviously you want to always have a player as good as damian lillard on your team but if they can flip him for like really good young players and picks with anthony simons with scoot henderson with shade and sharp like like you said they can turn things around pretty quickly and i think that Sentiment almost always applies if you have somebody as good as Embiid is. Um, and again, he's he's good enough that I think trading him should pretty much always be the absolute last resort. But sometimes you have to be honest with yourself that that point has come. And I don't think it has. I definitely no. don't think that point is now. I'm not sure that point is next year. I don't know exactly when that's going to come. But it's possible. Um, because they've been, as far as the long-term outlook, if you just look at like the value of their collection of players and draft picks and financial situation, like their long-term outlook has been trending downward, like every year for a while. Um, and some of that has been by design because it increases their short-term potential, which is the kind of risk you take at some point. Um, but like you said, uh, at some point it's something you have to think about. Again, with Embiid, he's he's good enough that I mean, you know, he's the reigning MVP. Uh, so you you never want to voluntarily be moving someone that good, right? Um, but I do think it it is worth pointing out, as pessimistic as I am about their situation right now, that if things do go 
you know, as poorly as they possibly can, there, like, there will be a light on the other side of the tunnel where they can at least begin a rebuild where they have, you know, quite a significant head start. Yeah, and it won't be more. Mer- it won't be Maury making the call on Embiid because yeah. I think that's the end of him too. Like he has to make this more work, which complicates it. Football season is about to kick off, and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl, and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. I wonder how many people are going to bet on the Patriots. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com Boston. Gambling problem? 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in massachusetts 21 plus in president select states bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt max bonus 50 dollars unless specified otherwise restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com Uh, one last thing on the Harden stuff, uh, Adam. Yep. Is there a sleeper team out there? Obviously, he's focused on the Clippers. They're going to do whatever they can to get the best return. Is there one team out there you're thinking of as you look around, possible packages, possible players, even teams that you think would want to make that one leap on Harden to go all in on next year and then figure it out from there? Like, is there something out there that you can find? There is. Um one team that I just haven't – there were, like, very brief and quiet rumors about never really turned into anything major, but it always felt interesting to me. And I, this is going to sound insane given what's on their roster right now, but the Suns could do something that is a, it would be the, – the, the framework would be Aiton, and I believe it's, it's – Right, if the, if this were to happen before the season, it would have to be Aiton. Uh, this is the one, and Ish Wainwright. Those players make it work salary wise. Now, of course, the Sixers are not interested in taking DeAndre Aiton. That does not make sense. Um, so it would have to be at least a three-team deal, if not a four-team deal, where the Suns say where the Suns are essentially trading Aiton for Harden, and the Sixers are then trading Aiton to someone you know somebody else who's then giving them assets uh i don't know if it's going to happen it's it's hard to do it would be much easier to do mid-season just because the suns have signed so many free agent minimum contracts that like almost none of their roster can be moved until december 15th yeah Uh, it's like it's almost outrageous how they're like what their cap sheet looks like right now if you look at it it's it's really unbelievable um and so I don't know who that Aiton team would be, but like I was saying earlier, it's so hard to think about which teams would have interests in Harden beyond the Clippers. DeAndre Ayton, say what you want about him, but he's a good player and he's very young still, and he has four years left on his contract. I think he's an asset, not, not a huge one, but I think he yeah. is. I'm, I am not an Aiton guy relative to many, um, but – it is much easier to figure out possible trade destinations for a 24, 25 year old productive player than it is for a 34 year old declining injury prone James Harden, who is trying to force a trade for the third time in four years. Right. And you could almost hold the line with that. Empower Maxi. You start to get into the defense. You want to play with nurse Maybe I don't think it's an ideal fit, but in the meantime, if you're trying to figure out something with Aiton, maybe Aiton and Embiid can play together and you play big like a lot of the league starting to. It would, it would be very funny because uh, the 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 draft where Aiton went number one, they do these ridiculous NBA comparisons and they compared Aiton to Embiid. And Embiid like tweeted about it like, like he should play some defense before they co- before they compare him to me, and then and then there was like a little bit of like 
I think the first time Aiton played against Embiid, he had some like quote in the morning shoot around about how like he had it circled on his calendar after that. So it would be, <laughs> it would be very funny. Would also be on brand for the Sixers to have either no centers or like way too many centers. Um, oh yeah, that is a tradition in Philadelphia. There's no yeah, doubt about somehow, it. They somehow will have like too many centers and not enough centers at the same time. Uh, it, it'd be I, so Suns too, though, to just stack these stars yeah. as they have. Right, and and you know, I don't. I didn't even like their Beal trade, to be honest. Um, though I am, I mean, I'm like a huge Chris Paul fan, so I'm, so already their whole off season uh, is suspect to me. But um, that is that is the one where, like, if you told me Harden gets traded between now and opening night, and it's not the Clippers, and I had to guess who it was, that would be my guess. As insane as it sounds, just because. Even if you think the pitch for Harden to to Phoenix doesn't make much sense or is ill-advised, at least that pitch exists. Like there is not really a pitch that exists for like the New Orleans Pelicans. It's just like the most random team I could think of. Why would that team want James Harden given the context, given the age, given the injury history, given uh, the way he's trying to force his way out right now? and has been trying to do it specifically to one team, um, which to be fair, Harden was successful twice in a row. He wanted to go to Brooklyn. He got there. He wanted to get to Philly. He got there. Um, but I think, I think Phoenix is the one that I would guess just because first of all, they're like, they're crazy enough to do it. And I don't even entirely mean that in a negative way. Um, one, one could say that they're, they're ballsy enough to do it. Like it, you can, you could frame it however you want. Um, so if there was one team, I think I would I would guess Phoenix, as crazy as it sounds, as crazy as it would look. Um, man, like Harden, Beal, Booker, Durant. I, I don't know what's happening except like I'll bet the over on all of their games is, is all I would be able to bet. <laughs> no, and maybe they do need a little bit of playmaking. Maybe Isaiah Thomas is intrigued by him. I don't know what he <laughs> thinks about Harden, but stuff like that. And certainly Durant's intrigued by him, given their history in Brooklyn. Yeah. So, like, that's the kind of stuff driving decision-making in Phoenix. And that is the first team that popped into my head, too. New Orleans, I, it's interesting you bring them up just because I, they may be a team that wants to accelerate things a little bit. I just don't think they have – what Philly would want in that situation. Yeah. Like they don't have an Aiton that they can offload. And that's the other good thing about Aiton too, is the money more or less matches up there between uh, yeah. those two players are in an Aiton. So there's not really a lot of other stuff going back and forth between those teams. Cause of course Phoenix doesn't have draft picks for the next decade. Yeah. Uh, so exactly. that's where my mind went to. Uh, I do want to talk some Celtics here, get your thoughts on them sure. uh, before we get out of here this afternoon, because as much as I, uh, you know, a quarter or two sent Philly history in a different direction here. Uh, the East Finals and that awful Game 7 changed the Celtics pretty significantly this summer with Smart going out the door and, uh, you know, Porzingis coming in. They had a pretty substantial cha- change this summer too. And, you know, I think they're going to sit here looking at what's going on in Philly, a team that did almost beat them, that gave them some trouble in that series. And, be pretty thrilled that they might not be as big of a threat this year. But bringing in Porzingis, wanted to harden the front court against Team Mike Philly, against Giannis, those types. And I'm I'm still working my way through it in terms of how I feel about this. Like, I don't love Smart going out the door. I have questions, as I think everyone should, about Porzingis. From a Philly standpoint, when you look at the changes the Celtics made for a team that already uh, beat the Sixers and kind of had the Sixers numbers over the last five, ten years here, how did you react to the things they did this summer? Um, so it's it's a good question. Um, I think, first of all, I think the Sixers, Sixers fans at like any other Eastern Conference contender, I think their immediate thought is like, Mark Smart being in the Western Conference is great. Like this is awesome. This is gonna this is gonna save us so much trouble. Um, obviously, uh, Smart's a very good player. I uh, his connection to the fans to the fan base there uh, in many ways reminds me of how people have been with Embiid here for a while, um, which is really significant. Um, I totally get why 
many Celtics fans are upset about the trade. I do think, and, and there are always injury questions with Porzingis. I do think he had this weird kind of thing where sometimes in sports, like everybody realizes at the same time that a player might be a little bit overrated and then they all go a little bit too far down and then the guy becomes underrated. Um, and I think we could be at that point with him just because I don't think there were many people actually watching the wizards this past year, which is certainly understandable. Um, I mean, he's, he's a really good player and, and gives you a lot of optionality, like strategically. I think just the fact that you can, you can reasonably play him at the four, you can play him at the five, whatever you, if you want to do double bigs, you have two different bigs that can kind of fit alongside anybody. Um, I think, I think the Celtics are going to be better next year than they were this year. And I don't know if that's considered an unpopular opinion in, in Austin right now, you would be able to speak better to that. Um, but to me, the upgrade of adding Porzingis into the rotation is more valuable than the downgrade of Marcus Smart turning into Derek White and Derek White turning into Peyton Pritchard, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, no, I think the calculation behind it makes a ton of sense. It's almost impossible to look at this from a stats perspective, from a yeah, fit perspective, cap sheet, everything else involved here, and say this was a bad move. You, you just wonder the locker room yeah, implications, absolutely. the intangibles. Even with Porzingis, and this is a big question I had for you because I haven't looked too deep into it, but it's something I've heard about. How has he fared against Embiid, you know, that that caliber of a center here? Because I love Porzingis in a drop position in terms of covering space and, you know, working within a team construct defensively. But uh, there is sort of a brute force defensively when it comes to Grant's ability to guard an Embiid type, when it came to Grant and uh, Smart even guarding the Giannis's of the world. That I think you do lose a little bit with Porzingis because yes, he's seven three. He's got all the length in the world, but I I have to imagine Embiid was able to just power through him a lot. Of yeah, um, yeah. They haven't they haven't matched up at least to my memory as as often as you would guess considering how long they've been playing by now. Um, but Embiid sometimes has struggled against guys who just have like insane length like yeah like and it's weird because like someone like robert williams has not given him a ton of trouble one-on-one he has because he can go through him right because he right and beat early on in his career part of the the appeal was like he's doing euro steps around people he's so bouncy like he's hitting jumpers blah 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 and now and then what turned him into a back-to-back scoring champion and mvp is that he has this insane strike advantage against almost any player in the NBA and Porzingis is included in that. Um, so I think, I think Porzingis, it does give them an option. Um, and I just like, I really like having the option to throw different bodies at someone. Um, and actually before, before a Sixers Celtics regular season game, actually, I asked Missoula in his pregame press conference, I asked oh, him. I'm sure he gave you a great answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he really was. He really elaborated a lot. It's great. Uh, no, uh, but I, I basically asked him how much he values the fact that they had Smart, White, and Brogdon all as guys who they could, you know, credibly play as Harden defenders, uh, even though Harden went on to cook, kind of cook Brogdon in the playoffs. Um, and it, it's something that I think is really valuable. Uh, when you're going up against any sort of real superstar. Um, and so I think, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a tricky spot just because almost nobody can is going to be able to stop and be one-on-one. Right. And as, as we saw recently, one of the only people who still can do it somehow is Al Horford. Um, which is just and he's, incredible. He's still in Boston, um, which I think is big. Yeah. It's ten million now. Yeah, and that and he's and that's such a value contract now that yeah. which is like a thing that I think people have completely glossed over. I'm sure you've you've talked about it, but um, the and that my my general point is Embiid for the most part, like when you look at the guys who have guarded him the best, it's not these like incredibly strong players or insanely long players. It's like veteran types 
with really good timing, who aren't falling for all of Embiid's fakes, who know how to defend and contest without fouling. And the first two guys that come to mind as guys who have stifled Embiid in the past are Horford and Marc Gasol. And I don't view Porzingis as that same sort of archetype of one-on-one defender. Um, I think he's much more valuable as like a weak side shot blocker in the way that that Rob Williams probably is too. Um, but it can never hurt to have a legit 7-3 player on the floor, um, offensively and defensively. Um, and, and what I've liked about the Celtics teams most in recent years and, and why I really thought they were going to beat Golden State in the finals a couple years ago and really like believed in that team the whole way was because there are so many different looks that they can throw at you. You know, like they can be a small team with Tatum at the four and Porzingis at the five now. Uh, you know, they swung the series last year going to a double big starting lineup. Like it feel, they could run lineups with ridiculous spacing. They could run lineups with ridiculous switchability. Um, so I think more than Porzingis helps against Embiid one-on-one, I would just say the optionality and the versatility that he gives Missoula uh, tactically is probably the most important thing that I would say the the most important way that the Porzingis trade impacts the Celtics and Sixers as a matchup. I do have one more Celtics question before we end this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, last question I got for you, Adam, before we get out of here. Everyone had their reactions. Everyone fell out of their seats when they saw the number. What do you think about the Jalen Brown deal? Um, it makes me, if I were a Celtics fan, it would make me really nervous. Really nervous. And I like that. I think Jalen Brown's an outstanding player. Um, I think he can be a very critical piece for a championship team as evidenced by the fact that two years ago, he was two wins away from doing that. And you could argue he was, I mean, you would be able to speak better, better to it than me, but from what I remember, he might've been their most consistent player in the finals. Uh, And I don't know if that, if my recollection of that is true or not, um, I do think people people uh, freak out a little too much about the biggest contract in NBA history thing. Like that's as the salary cap goes up, that's just going to happen every year now. Really, um, I there just his flaws are some of the ones that like irritate me and players more than most people. Um, like the just sometimes it's tunnel vision, the the difficulty with ball handling. Um, I think his on-ball defense can be very good, and I thought it was mostly great against Harden in the playoffs. But off the ball is just as important, and, and I feel like I feel like I watched the Celtics enough to say that he gets beaten off the ball quite a bit. Yeah, it's not something people bring up often, but it's a it's become a significant factor with him. Yeah, um, but I don't know what the alternative is that's better than than paying him. You know, right? Um, why, you know, why trade Jalen Brown? if you know that this is a championship caliber team, which I think they proved a couple of years ago, they even proved last year. I mean, they were one win away from being back in the NBA finals. Um, so my, my reaction to it is, is a little bit of like, oh boy, that's like a ton of money for someone with a few really noteworthy weaknesses. But he also has many more noteworthy strengths. Um, just unbelievable score. Uh, the tough shot making is, is ridiculous. Um, the self-creation, fantastic. The athleticism, obviously. Um, the on-ball defense, like I said. Um, so I'm just, if you draft a player and he turns into, and he becomes as good as what Jalen Brown is now, and then you give him, you just max him out because for with whatever he's eligible for, I can't, like, I just can't blame a team or a front office for doing that. Um, 
Now, again, I, I do have some reservations about it just because, like I said, those are, those are pretty noteworthy weaknesses. Um, but he also has a lot of good players around him who can help, you know, fill in, fill in the gap, so to speak. Um, if, if this was they're giving Jalen Brown a super max with hopes of him leading them to a championship, I would have many more issues with that, but obviously that's not, that's not what his job is. Um, and so we'll see if he can, if, you know, they can play well enough that he's the second best guy on a championship team. I definitely think it's possible. Um, I don't even, I wouldn't even call it unlikely. Um, but there, I would have a little bit of, of anxiety about it if I were a Celtics fan. Um, but again, I don't really know what the alternative would have been. And I, and I can't blame a team for wanting to keep a player who has turned into such a good player and seems to have a great connection with the fan base, uh, especially after moving someone like Marcus Smart. Um, so I get it. I have some concerns about it. But again, I don't really know what the what the better option was. Yeah, and all of it comes together. If everything we've talked about here, like their shakeup was moving smart. It could have been moving Brown, but they chose smart, and we'll see what kind of impact that makes intangibly and from a leadership and even on four perspective. Like I do think them not having to throw the ball to Smart late in the shot clock when they key in on Brown and Tatum that could make a difference here. And, you know, to your point, if you want to keep them, which they should, I think there's a lot of reasons you would want to keep them. And there's something to being in that mix every year. And these two allow them to be right in that mix every year. You keep that for the next couple of years and see how it goes. So I think that's a strong argument in favor of it. The argument against it, and this is one I strongly acknowledge. And I think this summer I did think about moving Bram. I don't want to say more than I ever did before because I was pretty intrigued by the Durant possibility too. But again, my my mind went there again this summer just because this team's weakness and maybe even its fatal flaw is the ball handling dynamic. And, you know, Tatum's gotten better at it, still not amazing. Brown probably went in the wrong direction there this year. And to add a third point to this, which is where I, I, I have some pause about the Porzingis move too. I don't, I don't see how he helps necessarily here. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, they do have the players in place to compensate a little bit. You know, Smart, I think, did. White does. Uh, Horford, they have some good playmaking bigs, and Porzingis has shown flashes of that too. But when you do commit $50 million to a guy like Brown, like, is White going to be here in a few years? Is Porzingis yeah. even going to be here in a year or two? It, it just centers. Right. And and that's the a weight of the the playmaking weight, everything on Brown yeah. and Tatum going forward. Yeah, yeah. and and I, I should have also brought up the like the financial ramifications of it. Um, yeah, because they're gonna they're gonna be over the second apron pretty much every year for as long as this run is going. And um, I don't see that as a big like. Is that a big deal to you? I well, know that some Phillies gonna have to consider too. So to me, it's a big deal if you know you're if you know deep down that you're not good enough. Um, if you have a team that you are that like definitively can make a run, and I would call this team a one that can definitively make a run, given they went to the finals, they were a win away from the finals, um, and over the last two years, uh, then I think it's something that's worth doing. Um, it is, it does make roster building tremendously difficult. Um, you can't take in any extra money in trades. You can't sign buyout guys. Um, you there you can even have your draft picks uh move to the end of the round if you violate certain like financial thresholds multiple years in a row there are a lot of really difficult ramifications the nba's goal was to stop these like warrior style super teams and they did a hell of a job coming up with ways to prevent it um, yeah, but, but then two teams in the Celtics and the Suns did make big threes right after. So it's yeah, interesting if you went yeah. in the other direction. Yeah, and and you know it very well could be that in a few years we look back and there was a market inefficiency on on stars right around now because everybody maybe panicked a little too much about the second apron. Yeah, um, time will tell. Um, but yeah, I, again, as uh, there are concerns that I have about it, but. How can, how can you draft a guy and he becomes as good as Jalen Brown and then 
you and then you don't want to bring him back. It just I, I can't I can't really criticize the front office for bringing back a guy who a homegrown guy who's become, you know, I yeah. mean, he's, he's super max eligible because he was an all NBA player. No, and that's probably the tool you needed to keep him for Venom from going to free agency, given the yeah. other extension rules there. So I'm in that boat. You have some nervousness about it after the last couple of years and how they ended, but you were still so close that you do yeah. want to stay in that conversation. He's Adam Aronson. Great to finally have you on here, Adam. <laughs> I, I still can't get over waking up this morning just seeing that tweet. It really was yeah. something. Because like, every ever since this Harden thing, every time, anytime I sleep in, I'm like, oh, it's God. one of the most shocking quotes to yeah. just have oh, laid I'm out like, in front of you. You'll ever see. I'm like, oh my God, I, I probably missed the Harden trade. And then I look. But it, and- it's so him too. Like, remember yeah. uh, him sitting at the podium in Houston just being like, this situation yeah. is crazy. I'm done. Yeah. Like, he's so, he's so frank about it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's very, it's very funny because uh, Harden, like in the aftermath of the Houston thing, in the aftermath of the Brooklyn thing, it's like, oh, I would never like intentionally like, try to tank my value to a team and get them to trade me and like show up in bad faith and, you know, cause trouble. And then when the, when rumors started going around about the Sixers not trading Harden, then people were like, Oh, you know, you might want to remember what Harden did in Houston and what Harden did in Brooklyn. And it's, it's a funny dichotomy to me that, at certain points, that's what it was, and at certain points, it's not what it was. And who was chiming in his defense today? Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, great. That's exactly what I needed was was Kyrie Irving's input on this, uh, <laughs> but just because it, it wasn't already crazy enough. The rights to Ricky Sanchez is uh, where you can uh, listen to and read Adam, and you can follow him on Twitter at Sixers Adam. Like I said, great uh, meeting you this year. Great uh, having you on here, and I'm sure we'll talk again, and uh, we'll be looking out for your reaction over on that side as well. Adam, thanks for uh, stepping in here today. Thank you. And uh, everybody else, of course, go support uh, HelloFresh, the new code, hellofresh.com slash CLNS50. Go check that out. Go support them. And, of course, fanduel.com slash Boston. Uh, some reaction coming up right over on the Patriots channel right now. Uh, Patriots press pass, 6 o'clock, just a few minutes from now. They're going to be reacting live to the Ezekiel Elliott signing. So go check that out right now. It's about to get started within minutes. And uh, we'll talk to you again later this week when the NBA schedule comes out. Can't wait for that. The CLNS Media Network is powered by FanDuel. Sign up at FanDuel.com Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed.